Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Thursday, April 20th. I certainly know what that means. I'm located in Southern California. Today's episode is a full slate breakdown for every game three. So as we burn through the slate breakdown, we're going to make as many weed jokes as we possibly can and try and get out of here pretty quickly. Before I get started, let me remind you guys to follow me on Twitter at mfiddle 14 to rate, review, subscribe, and send this podcast to a friend, and to join the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel. Remember, we have promo code ABSURD going on for 75% off your first month, about 10 days left in that offer, and I highly recommend taking advantage. So, I am going to do this episode in the same way that I did the Game 2 Slate Breakdown podcast, where I actually worked in reverse chronological order. So, I'm going to start with the Lakers-Grizzlies game and actually work backwards to the game that's happening tonight, which is 76ers-Brooklyn, Golden State versus the Kings, and Suns-Clippers, because I'm going to cover every game three. I'm not sure when you are going to listen to this episode, so I don't want to waste your time and talk about games that might have already happened if you're listening to this on Friday or maybe Saturday. So let's start off with Memphis returning to L.A., to take on the Lakers Game 3, a series knotted up at 1-1. FanDuel releases the line for Game 3 at Lakers minus 6. DraftKings releases it as Lakers minus 5.5. And and Quick Steam comes in on the Memphis Grizzlies. It has pushed the line all the way down at FanDuel to Memphis plus 4.5. Lakers down to a a 4.5 point favorite. Now, I jumped on the Lakers minus 4.5 right when I saw it cross the 5. So we know... Five is a very important number in spreads. We know that it is the most common outcome that results in a push. We know five is the second most common outcome in any NBA game. We know that the first and second most common outcome are seven and six. So getting that below the five and having five, six, and seven on the winning side of my minus 4.5 was the reason why I wanted to take a contrarian angle and play the Lakers right away. Now, I assume... John Morant is going to try and play, but is probably still on the doubtful side of suiting up for Game 3. So if John Morant is not going to suit up for Game 3, we're probably going to see this Lakers line push the other direction. So that's why having the opportunity to grab the 4.5, I wanted to get now. If John does play and we see this line continue to steam the other direction because it's already taking in some Memphis steam, first of all, I do think some of the steam that's come in already is a thinking that he is going to play and that the six was too much. I don't know how much further it's going to go than the 4.5. I do think this point and a half of movement is attributed to job probably being from doubtful to questionable or from maybe to probable. I personally think he's going to sit out for one more game. I personally think this is an overreaction to what happened in game two. Memphis was at home and completely desperate. Lakers are going to show up to that press conference, probably happening any minute. I'm recording this right at the end of that Laker game. And they're probably going to say, we took care of business here. One, one split job is done. Now we return home. So now it's on Memphis to actually beat the Lakers at home. I'm going to take the Lakers to cover the minus five. We know LeBron eases into series, reads his opponent. And if the Lakers are going to be playing a Memphis Grizzlies team without their best player, I don't want to hear it. Anyone who thinks this Grizzlies team is better without John Morant. John Morant is an all-NBA talent. He is on a five-year max. He is a signature Nike shoe. He is an elite creator for himself and others. Yeah, he's terrible on defense, but offense wins in the NBA, and I don't want to hear it. 
that the Grizzlies are worse with John Morant in the lineup. I think John Morant is going to be out of this game, and we are going to get value by taking the Lakers right now. Similar situation in Miami as the Bucks travel back to Miami to take on the Miami Heat. Hopefully Giannis's back starts to feel a little better in that South Beach warmth. I do think Giannis probably going to play. DraftKings opens the line minus three and a half. Actually, minus it opened at minus two and a half, but I missed it. Stayed at minus three and a half for a while, and it's now at minus four. FanDuel also has this at minus four. Of course, Bucks being a minus four triggers a system play. So this is a first round favorites system play. We have a one seed in the first round of the NBA playoffs with a spread between minus four and minus 25. So this checks every box for that system and triggers a bet. I jumped in for one and a half units on the Bucks minus three and a half. I was playing a system play on the three and a half because I already saw fours in the market. So the fours triggered a bet, but I could grab a better number. So I just did that. Um, so I took the minus three and a half, and I think the Bucks continue to roll this Miami team. I think Miami caught a break coming out strong in that first game, in that first quarter, and then Bucks took a backbreaker quite literally, and Giannis having a back contusion. That completely threw off game one and everything they had planned. This Bucks team is far superior than this Heat team, potentially even with Giannis out of the lineup. I like Bucks to cover the four very easily. I do think if Giannis ends up playing, this gets brought out to like a six and a half. And I do think wherever you're seeing these odds right now, if you have a blank slate on this game when you're listening to this podcast, as long as it fits the criteria, it's still worth the bet playing into the system. Again, first round favorite system is NBA playoffs, first round, a favorite that's a one or a two seed between a spread of minus four and minus 25. So as long as we're hitting those four criteria, you are triggering a bet. Let's talk about the Denver Nuggets going to Minnesota and taking on the Timberwolves. Denver up 2-0. Minnesota just looks completely overmatched. Anthony Edwards had a Jordan-like game shooting. I mean, this guy was hitting everything, and they still lost by nine. Of course, Jamal Murray was doing the same thing on the other side. But Denver's really just putting their, their foot on on. Minnesota's neck and say, we are the best team in the West. We are making a statement to the rest of the league. We can sense that this Clippers Sun series might go the distance and we'd like to take our time and rest. So I jumped on Denver minus two in Minnesota for game three. I understand the books love uh, the home underdog in game three situation. I'm personally not going to overreact to the home court scenario in round one. We still have the Denver Nuggets playing against the Minnesota Timberwolves. We still have a stark difference in the talent on these two teams. When we get to the next round and we have Nuggets versus the winner of Suns Clippers, that's when I'm going to look at home court a lot more seriously. So the line flipping, six and a half points. Denver covered an eight and a half in game two. They covered an eight in game one. And it's going to be minus two. Is six points worth it in the first round of the NBA playoffs? I'm going to go with no. I also think, I just want to point out, this does not trigger a first-round favorites bet because the spread is minus two. If this line were to move to minus four and there's Denver steam, you might eventually trigger a system bet. But right now, it is not a system play. Even though the Nuggets are a favorite in the first round of the NBA playoffs as a one seed, it does not fit the criteria of the spread being between minus four and minus 25. Of course, the system is just something to tell you to place a bet. So if you're already willing to place a bet on Denver minus two, 
then why wait for the minus four? Another game that's minus two, plus two, is the Cavaliers visiting the New York Knicks. Knicks is a home favorite as the five seed at a minus two. Spread opens as a minus one and a half. So we are having some Knicks action come in, or the, the book is actually taking the Knicks side. There is a bit of reverse line movement in the market. We are seeing 51% of the bets on Cleveland, 62% of the money on Cleveland, and the line moving towards the Knicks. Now, normally I would say reverse line movement is my favorite thing to play into. In the regular season, you're going to pick off those spots where the better team you know, there might be reverse line movement because the better team is, you know, on the road like they are in this situation, or they're at a rest disadvantage or a travel disadvantage, or they've played through four time zone, or they're going their fourth in six days or something like that. In the NBA playoffs, I'm a little bit less concerned with those things because we know the Knicks and Cavs just played each other a few days ago and have the exact same rest the exact same travel schedule, and all of those things. So the only advantage that Knicks have here is home court. Obviously, the Garden is going to be fucking rocking on Friday night. Like, I wish I was back in New York and could be at MSG. I would stop at 34th and 6th. I'd go to the H&M in Herald Square. I'd go to the halal cart right out, right out front. I'd get myself a falafel over rice, white sauce, hot sauce from my friend, and then I would go over to the game. So if you are in New York, I certainly recommend doing that string of activities. You'll have your house, yourself a hell of a time. Cavaliers, generally a dominant home team and a, a team that you know isn't as good on the road. I, I don't care. Like I'm watching these first two games. I think New York had crazy amount of gained possessions in game one, whether that be from turnovers or from offensive rebounds or things like that. It was an energy win for the Knicks in game one. The Cavaliers came and wiped the floor with them in game two. They matched their energy, if not exceeded their energy. Of course, they had the home crowd down 0-1 playing with desperation as a favorite in the series. All of those factors need to be considered, but I think the Cavaliers clearly took the reins and said, okay, if we match the Knicks energy, we are clearly the better team. I think Garland is better than Brunson. I think Mitchell's the best player in the series. I think Mobley and Randall are equal. I think Jared Allen is better than Mitch Robinson. So yeah, the, the, the depth of New York might be a little better. We might lean towards the bench in a and in, in the role players in a home game to expect the guys like Josh Hart or R.J. Barrett to shoot better. I am just so out on R.J. Barrett. I'm sorry to any Knicks fans listening to this. I don't think RJ is part of your future. I think you should have traded him for Donovan Mitchell at whatever the cost was. I would have thrown Quentin Grimes in there too. So I think this is a clear Cavaliers series. I wouldn't be surprised if it ended in five. I will plan to be on the Cavaliers every game this series. I have talked about it. It is the only series bet that I've taken. I even said on the last pod, this was the one that I expected to go quickly the other way. So we all saw the Knicks take care of game one. And I was like, uh -uh, that's, that's, it was unsustainable the way it happened on the court, if you know and have watched playoff basketball for a long time. Let's talk about the total in that game. Uh, the Knicks can't score. So total opened at 213.5, bet down to 211. I talked again in the last pod how I was considering escalators of Knicks under 100 team total. I didn't do it. I just stuck with the under. There was actually some late action towards the over in the Knicks-Cavs game too, even though I was on the under and it finished way under. So... I wasn't going to go contrarian with an escalator play. This, we are seeing clear movement towards the under. So now it's at 211. I'm not sure how much value that has left in it. 
I got it at 213 and a half. I would probably leave the total alone and I would just play the Cleveland plus two if this was for a blank slate and I was reapproaching this market. Let's talk about the Boston Celtics in Atlanta for game three. This line opened similar situation as the um what was it? The the Bucks where it triggered a system bet on FanDuel, but I could get a better line at DraftKings. FanDuel opens a line at Boston minus four. DraftKings opens the line at FanDuel minus three and a half. DraftKings at, at Boston minus three and a half. Not FanDuel certainly not minus three and a half anywhere. Okay, so the Celtics were minus three and a half on DraftKings. The Celtics were minus four on FanDuel. I noticed that triggered a first round favorites system bet. Boston is the two seed. We were in the first round of the NBA playoffs. They are a favorite and the spread was between minus four and minus 25. I just jumped on the minus 3.5 on DraftKings for one and a half units. And I also jumped on the over 228 for a unit and a half as well. Let's talk about the total in this situation. We saw in game two, the total open at 229. It closed at 230 and a half. So there was steam towards the over. The game ended at 225. That was a lucky one for me. I was on the under 229. I happened to hit. I talked about how that one, I was contrarian to all of the things that were going on in the market in that last Celtics-Hawks game. The game ends at 225, despite Atlanta having zero made free throws late into the fourth quarter. So now we're back in Atlanta where the role players are going to be better. They're going to start hitting their threes more consistently. And I expect the whistle to be a little better. Atlanta is going to be able to score more points at home. Like, that is just a fact. This Boston offense can travel and can put up points on anyone, anywhere. So, and they certainly can score at will against this Hawks team. We're all freaking out about Derek White having 25 in game one. Like, how could you let Derek White do that to you? Derek White comes back and has 25 in game two. So, this Boston offense, probably the best team in the NBA right now. They're the team that I've been talking about for weeks and months is probably my pick to ride into the NBA playoffs, through the NBA playoffs with kind of ease. I think the Sixers might give the Boston Celtics their toughest series of the entire playoffs next round. And I think they actually might take care of the Bucks pretty quickly in the, the Eastern Conference Finals. And I wouldn't be too surprised if they took care of whoever comes out of the West pretty quickly as well. So Celtics minus five right now on FanDuel. Still worth a bet for me under the system play. Over 229 right now. Definitely worth it. That is my favorite bet left on the board. Despite the movement, I do have the 228. We know that the movement in the totals really doesn't matter that much. Of course, you don't want to follow four or five points of steam that you've missed because then that's going to make a difference. But don't overreact. If it moved from 228 to 229, like the chance that it lands on 229 and your bet pushes and the 228 won, it's really not that realistic and it's not that likely. So it has such a low hit rate at that exact number. So for that, you can say, I want to wait on some movement in the totals market and understand where it's going and see the steam that's building up. And then I just saw a number tick on the board. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. And we will, uh, yeah, I really like the over 229. Sorry about that. I just got confused because I'm watching the numbers change right in front of me on this Suns Clippers game three back in LA. So the Suns are the road favorite minus 2.5. They seemingly figured everything out uh, in the second half of game two. And I really thought that was the case. They're looking like Kevin Durant and Devin Booker can get to their spots kind of at will. I would wonder if... 
the two days rest is just not really an ideal situation for the Clippers putting so much onto Kawhi. Like, the three days rest between games one and game two was more important than the two days rest between game two and three. And the travel situation, this might leverage against Kawhi. So, I really like the Suns minus two and a half. I don't think that the home court advantage is worth five and a half points because we know the Clippers line closed at plus eight for game two, and they didn't even cover it. It was a 14-point game. So Suns minus two and a half. I like them to come out with urgency. I like teams that are favorites in game three that already are 1-1. So obviously the Denver Nuggets are 2-0. That would be like the one that kind of gives me a little bit of pause. I think the Bucs are going to come out hungry. I think the Cavs are going to come out hungry. I think the Suns are going to come out hungry. I certainly think the Warriors are going to come out hungry. We'll just see if, like, not having Draymond just snips that in the bud. Um, eh, It's kind of another weed joke. And the Warriors have Gary Payton. Double weed joke. Um, So, yeah, the total in this game, in the Suns-Clippers game, let's get back to that. That's where I just saw the movement happen. Opened at 228.5 at every book. Points bet, which I've talked about points bet, relative to NBA totals a lot. They're the the book to keep your eyes on for NBA totals. Points bet moved the the line on that Suns Clippers game from 228.5 instantly to 227. Point and a half of movement without any ticks. So that is a clear indicator. Again, we say indicators to start telling ourselves a story. Why would that happen? Why wouldn't it just tick down? The reason why it went down a point and a half immediately is because they took in a very big bet. And they were saying, okay, if we're taking in this much money on the under, if we only move it half a point, we're still going to take money on the under. So we want to get money on the over, so we need to drastically move this line. So they moved it a point and a half, which is three ticks without any, you know, in-between movements. It generally goes half a point, half a point, half a point. Here it went one and a half points without any time or waiting in between. I knew for that reason the rest of the books were going to catch up to that number. Points bet sets a standard for NBA totals. You can always rely on them to be ahead of the wave because they have very high limits. So if someone could only bet $10,000 at FanDuel, they could bet $100,000 at points bet. So these sharp groups that are popping big lines would rather put that bet in on points bet than FanDuel because if FanDuel moves the line and they put only the 10K in on FanDuel and they move the line, points bet may move the line on air. So they're better off just putting the max bet they can in points bet. So often these sharp groups will wait for points bet to release totals and go hit them there. So seeing the line go from under 228.5 to 227 meant, hey, Mike, go find another 228.5 in the market and hit it now. So I went to DraftKings and FanDuel. They were both at 228.5 at the time, and I hit the under. So when I just got confused as I was talking during that Celtics-Hawks game, it's because I'm on the FanDuel site right now, and I just watched the total go from 227 back up to 227 and a half. So we are seeing steam towards the under, but then a tick back up towards the over. Remember, we had three ticks of movement without it ticking. It just went all at once, and now we're having one tick of movement back up. Well, it took all of about 30 seconds that 227 and a half is already back down to a 227. But that tells me that the market has settled at this 227. So I think under would still be the smart play in 
the general direction that the market has moved, I don't think it's going to go further than that. Clearly, it just went up to 227.5 and, and then came right back down. So were they trying to take in over money? Were they trying to signal the market that it's stalled out a bit? Did they put it up to 227.5 and, and took more under money right away? Who knows? But just seeing this amount of movement and seeing it bounce down, bounce back up, and then settle on a number, you could have pretty clear indicator that this has settled and will likely close right at 227 where it is now. Hope that wasn't too confusing. Let's talk about the Warriors-Kings game. Oh, we're on the games tonight. That Suns-Clippers games happens tonight. Warriors are at home in the Chase Center against the Sacramento Kings without Draymond Green. I jumped in on the Warriors minus 6.5 with Draymond in the lineup. Now it's at minus five and a half and even juiced under to minus 108. So it's like you have to pay more juice on the minus 112 for the Sacramento plus five and a half. And we know how important the five is. So they're really inviting money onto this Warrior side. That gives me a lot of pause as being a Warriors minus six and a half backer. Draymond Green is incredibly important to this team. He is going to guard Sabonis. Well, now he's certainly not going to be guarding Sabonis. And he's an amazing facilitator on offense for Stephen Clay to work off ball. So the, the real question is, how does the total impacted with Draymond out? We've actually seen no movement at all because he generates a lot of offense on that side of the court. He also slows down things on defense so he prevents scoring and he encourages scoring when he's on offense so for that reason you kind of have this balance where with Draymond being out we we might not see the total shift with John Morant it was very clear we're going to see this total move down because he's amazing at offense and horrible on defense so when John Morant's on the court both teams score more with Draymond on the court the, the Warriors score more the other team generally scores less that's why he's a great player that's why he's a generational defender the total has not moved. I am just going to avoid this game completely. It is so hard to get a read. Of course, Warriors are going to be hungrier than ever, being down 0-2 for the first time in this you know, dynasty's core run. Uh, they're probably still the better team. They're amazing at home. Of course, Sacramento is one of the best teams on, on, the, on the road, certainly the best in the West on the road. So this is just a tough situation to read. I don't like that I'm on the minus 6.5. Certainly don't like that I have minus CLV. I wish I just had no bets at all in this game. So if that's where you're at, I would stay there. Let's talk about Philadelphia 76ers against the Brooklyn Nets. DraftKings opens this line at three and a half. FanDuel opens it at four. They have both taken in some Philadelphia money and moved out to four and a half. We've also seen some movement in the total go from over 208 to 209 and a half. I am on the over 208 and a half. Again, seeing that one point of movement from 208.5 to 209, not that important. So I would still recommend the over 209.5. Of course, I played the over 215 in game one, and I think the over 214.5 in game two. So I've been on the over now in all three games of series. I've been on the Philadelphia 76ers now in all three games of series. The one bet that I'm considering adding is Philadelphia minus 2.5, which is a plus 112 for the first half. Now, my thought is the Brooklyn Nets just keep throwing different looks. Jacques Vaughn, again, like I said on last podcast, throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks. I just don't know how much longer it can continue or what else Brooklyn can do because Philadelphia just takes a minute or two to figure it out and then just crushes them in the second half. So 
now that we've gotten to the point where they've thrown their three or four or five different looks at Embiid and the 76ers, how much do they have left to throw in the tank? Or is it just back to a square one? We're going to double you on the catch and Embiid knows what to do and how to handle it. And it's now just the point in the series where 76ers essentially just crush and win outright. So if that's your thinking, then I do like the minus two and a half first half bet at plus money. Given the fact that we're seeing so much money on the Philadelphia side, I would expect this line to move to minus five before tip. So I don't really recommend, I don't really uh, mind, that's the right word. I don't mind that it's moved from minus three and a half to minus four and a half. Again, in NBA playoffs, we have more late game fouling. If the Nets are losing this game and they're about to go down 0-3 at home, they're going to foul with 30 seconds left, with 10 seconds left, with seven seconds left. Like You will probably get that number pushed out to five or six regardless of who's the winner of this game, simply because it's a playoff atmosphere. So I think that works our way through all the slate breakdown. I definitely did not make enough weed jokes. But let's review all of the bets that we have. 76ers minus 3.5 over 208.5 in that game. Golden State Warriors minus 6.5 and not feeling good about it. Phoenix Suns minus 2.5 still on the board. The over-unders at 227. The market's probably set there. I like the under. Boston Celtics, Atlanta Hawks, minus five still triggers a system bet. The over 229 is on the board, and I got eyes for that one. Cleveland Cavaliers is a plus two. I am against the market here. I understand the book is inviting my Cavaliers money. This is the one time that I'll say, sure, I'll give it to you. I really think the Cavaliers are the better team here. I'm also on the under 213 and a half. Now that line's at 211, probably a stay away, especially if the Knicks shoot better at home. Denver Nuggets, minus two on the road in Minnesota. I absolutely love that. I think this, this Minnesota team is completely outmanned. It is not a first-round favorite system play like Milwaukee Bucks, minus four in game three is. And I like the Lakers, minus four and a half also at home. I don't think John Morant is going to end up suiting up for that game Saturday night, I think I'll take one more game off. And I think that line will be pushed back out to five and a half or six where it opened. So that wraps up our slate breakdown. Go enjoy yourself some Gary Payton. For those who didn't know that Gary Payton was a type of weed, I mean, get up to date. It's sticky icky like the glove, my guy. So tonight I will be watching Gary Payton with Gary Payton on my couch, hoping the Warriors knock things up and end up giving me a lucky cover on a hook that I have minus CLV on. I will be back likely for some game four pods. I've been posting write-ups on my Twitter. Of course, the last few days have gone incredibly well. Remember after the first slate breakdown when I was like, I don't care if I win these bets. That was asinine. The gambling gods slapped me in the face. I came back on the slate breakdown game two podcast and said, I really, 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 really want to win these. And it worked out in our favor. So let's keep that good juju going. Let's put some positive ethos out into the sports ethos world and say, let's hope that this slate breakdown goes really, 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 really well. Of course, I will be back for game fours. And as always, peace out. We'll be right back.